Episode 16. I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. And we are at long last talking about Star Wars The Force Awakens today. Mm-hmm. It's out. We've seen it multiple times. Oh shit. We have many thoughts. Uh, so let's just jump right in. Directed by J.J. Abrams. Written by J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan. And Michael Arndt. Got a credit for some reason. <laughs> uh, released the 18th of December, 2015, 32 and a half years after Return of the Jedi. Pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, opening statements. Would you uh, like to go first? Sure. Uh, this movie is amazing. Um, it's, it's a movie about a lot of things. It's a movie about masks. It's about identity. Um, it's about knowing the difference between a gifted one and a Mary Sue. Um, it's about finding where you belong, like how J.J. Abrams made two Star Trek movies, but it's the Star Wars universe is where he always belonged. Uh, it's a movie about families. This is a movie that ends with us finding out Luke Skywalker is actually Jacob from Lost. And before that, we're treated to two characters fighting with lightsabers on a super, on a snowy super murder laser planet while it's snowing. And so you know what that means? It's Christmas. <laughs> I, I, I can't be eloquent just in how nerdy I love this, how nerdy my love for this movie is. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would just say stars is back. Couldn't be happier. Um, love the new characters, love the emotional weight that JJ brought to the story. Um, I think I've seen this a lot online. It's like, sure. There's things you can nitpick, but I feel like stars fans have this weird need to look for flaws in something like they have PTSD from past experiences. And I, it's like, I don't see the value in focusing on like minor negatives and not seeing the forest for the trees. Uh, I can't wait to watch this movie again, and I can't wait for episode eight. Right. And that's not to say that, you know, we've made fun of things, but it, mm-hmm. I think, as a few people have hopefully pointed out on Twitter and elsewhere, that you, you can sense the love. <laughs> yeah, so, I guess it's some of the reviews I've read, it's just like, it seems like they're going out of their way to be like, I'm not too much of a nerd. I can point out things, you know, that annoyed me about it. Yeah. yeah. Nerd out. It's Star Wars. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, the couple times that we've seen it, uh, especially the first few days, just the sheer level of goofy, ridiculous, the, the varied t-shirts <laughs> that we would see people wear, you know, because this was a moment where you could do that. And fortunately, the novelty t-shirt market is booming. Oh, yeah. You can you can find pretty much anything. I mean, there's a guy who's just like chilling out in like a uh, the force is strong in my family Mm T-shirt. I'm like, okay, (laughs) okay. Well, uh, top three moments. I can think of many more than top three. Do you have any honorable mentions there? Uh, First, I just wanted uh, before I get to my number three moment because my number four my number four moment would probably be just the first teaser trailer which was just the tiniest glimpse of some of the sheer joy that we were going to get in this movie. Um, but I wanted to ask you about what was the rumor about the last line of the movie? The rumor. So let me, let me set this up. Um, 
this was it was on like the Star Wars like leaks subreddit where there've been like various leaks about like what people you know thought the movie was going to be based on like some like leaked uh, shot logs and whatnot stuff that sounded kind of plausible. Mm. So this one guy is like a couple months ago claimed to have seen the movie and the kind of like synopsis he provided seemed pretty legit. It seemed to match up with everything we'd seen from the trailers. It didn't sound too outlandish. Uh, I mean, people would post this shit all the time and it was all you'd always like just immediately be like, oh, that's fake because of like, here's this detail that like this obviously not true. But this one seemed really legit right up until the very end. We said it ends with. Like, it ends in the movie with Ray going to Luke. Spoilers, by the way, if you haven't watched The Force Awakens. If you haven't watched The Force Awakens, what are you listening to this for? <laughs> yeah. So the synopsis ends with Ray going to Luke, and the last line of the movie is him saying, my baby girl, and giving her a big hug. It was like, it wasn't until he got to that point of the, the you know, supposed leaked synopsis of the movie that you're like, oh, this is bullshit. You know, because it was like, it was like, if you had just stuck the landing, we would have believed you. But that became like a joke on Reddit. And so uh, everybody refers to Ray's baby girl now. That's why a lot of people don't realize that the original title before they settled in The Force Awakens was Baby Girl on the Big Deal. Mm -hmm. What's your, do you have any honorable mentions? I have like so many. Um, The, when they pan over to the Falcon, you know, like, you know, the garbage will do. Mm -hmm. That was a great moment. Um, When Ray. Applause worthy moment in the theater. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that brought the house down. The, the whole scene where Ray is trying to fix the Falcon while asking for the location of the Resistance base and Finn is trying to t- talk uh, BB-8 out of it. Just that the thumbs up from BB-8, plus just the Ray like pointing like, no, no, no. Do you see where I'm pointing? No. Like, so let me just say, like, pretty much all of this from when Finn and Ray first meet up until when Finn and BB-8 share their thumbs up. That mm-hmm. is my cheat. Like, number one. That's a hell of a cheat. That's a hell of a cheat. Uh, Hunted by Stormtroopers and TIE Fighters. Uh, their second choice is the Falcon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray can fly it. She's amazing at it. Um, I wouldn't say she's amazing at first. I mean, she well, knocks a bunch of shit over. She gets amazing at it. Uh, mm-hmm. They can both congratulate each other on their teamwork. Um, like, I, the, the most Star Warsy moment ever is when they shoot down that first TIE Fighter and all the other scavengers just jump on it to the fact that it's a bad motivator, as usual. That that falls apart. I mean, I love the when he asks if she's okay, and it's like she's both annoyed but kind of touched because I don't think anyone's ever asked her, "Are you okay?" Oh, it's just such a weird question for her. Yeah, such a weird question. Mm-hmm. To uh, I know how to run without you holding my hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Uh, one last just honorable mention uh, when. BB-8 is talking to her, and, and he says he's classified. She's like, really? Classified? Me too. Big secret. I just love the, the meta aspect of that line. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, she is the big secret. We don't know where she's from. Mm-hmm. So what's your number three? My number three is the very, very end, as Ray climbs those steps and finally finds Luke and offers him that lightsaber and everything that comes with it. And he gives her that look that I think uh, you can and people are reading volumes into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's my number three as well. The Jedi I mean, steps. I mean, the the music is great. It's one of the first times I. I mean, the soundtrack is. Yes, John Williams will make my character rankings in some fashion. Uh, it's it's Star Wars music. I feel like there's great individual identifying moments to every other movie. Um, 
like at least Attack of the Clones has the Coruscant chase. It has uh, uh, Across the Stars, which I, I do love. Um, but this is the moment which is, it was just gorgeous, especially when it matches the visuals. And then, you know, people are like, oh, he's she's got to be his daughter. And it's like, it's a good chance that she is, but we don't know. And it's just a great, it's a great way to end this movie. Like, I can't wait for like episode eight in 18 months. Yeah, that was my number three as well. Just the whole sequence of climbing the steps. The music was great. Um, the acting, I mean, there's no dialogue. And so it's, it's all on the performers there. And of course it's designed somewhat to be read into, but I, I love the way that Luke looked, mm. uh, the, the hair was somehow perfect. It was gray, but it, it kind of looked like his a new hope hair, only only grayish and like scraggly. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'd seen that like leaked photo of him with the hood on, mm. um, but it, it looks so much better when he takes the hood off. You just see like the emotion on his face. Well, he, he looks like he's been living in an ashtray of regret mm-hmm. for 30 years. Um, it almost, uh, almost seemed angry at least a little bit to see her, you know, it's like he's being called back to something he tried to abandon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if, if she is his daughter, if he was responsible for leaving her on Jakku, it's like, you know, God damn it. Why are you here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I tried to leave you someplace, maybe shitty, maybe very, very shitty, but at least you were alive there and not, you know, called back into the fight. Um, I love how long it took. It reminded me a little bit of like, not quite the same, not the same tension, but like the ending of uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Like, there's a reason that 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 whole buildup has to take forever. You know, as they're looking for the, um, the grave at the end. It's like you you want those steps to take a little bit of time. You want to tease out that gratification for finally coming face to face of him. One is just so mythic, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like Arthurian legend type of vibe to it, holding yeah. out. Star Wars Excalibur, basically, and saying, you know, you need to come back. Right, right. Okay, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is when Han talks to his son, who tells him that he's torn apart. Uh, Kylo Ren is a fascinating mirror for me of, like, previous characters, and that he's this bad fucking dude. He's kind of an upstart asshole who's way too powerful. He's afraid of being seduced by the light side of Force. And like, you know, as we said last time, I went into this movie thinking like, how the fuck can he even know about Darth Vader to be such a fucking fanboy? But now I kind of get it. Like, imagine that you're so powerful and so capable that's literally tearing you to pieces. Like, who else would you look to for understanding but someone who might have gone through the same same thing? Um, It's an interesting turn of a person who could momentarily like stop running away from things that they've done and like try to reconnect with family until the light goes out. it kind of made me think about uh, Joss Whedon's quote about Ultron from that last Avengers movie, which was uh, Ultron's pain is very, very real to me. He can't control the way his pain makes him behave. And I relate to that. Hmm. And that kind of, I don't know, kind of summed up Kylo Ren in a way for me, too. Okay. My number two is when Ray and Kylo Ren duel in the snow. That was just awesome. Uh, just the, the lightsaber coming to her and just kind of her, you know, she's awakening in the force. Mm. and it's a cool duel i mean a lot of people have like complained about certain aspects and we'll get to that but i love the way that when she kind of lets the force in there she just starts kicking his ass and it's it's great uh, and i know, like i like the way it was shot with slight slow motion in a couple points very slight mm. just like she's almost like stalking her prey in some of the ways it's framed and i have to think that it was intentionally making you wonder like is she tapping into the dark side right now because she just completely wrecks his shit 
Well, you could definitely say she's focused in her her anger, but I don't think based like choreography alone. A lot of people complain that like, oh, she's she's too good. I, I was like, I didn't get that impression. I got the impression that she's kind of just reacting from how an average person would if they were given a sword and they were pissed off. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that this is her like displaying like trained swordsmanship. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's also very wounded. But I, I thought she was amazing as this person who certain things are being inherited, though. Uh, I, people can debate forever what happens with the lightsaber there. Like, does it choose to go to her? Or because it kind of seems like he at the last second, like, jumps out of the way of it. Doesn't it? Well, it's like coming right at his head. Yeah. Yeah. Like he wasn't expecting that. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What's your number one? Because your number one was just BB-8. Uh, or not BB-8. But it's Finn the, and Ray. The, like the whole sequence of Finn and Ray meeting. Yeah. And, yeah. And Jakku until they're leaving Jakku. Uh, my number one is the when they ask, when they first meet Han Solo and they ask him about Luke Skywalker. Mm. I thought uh, Harrison Ford was excellent. Just the, uh, yeah, I knew him. I knew Luke. So mm. much... So much emotion just in just in his reaction facing away from them. Yeah. You see like the weight that that has. And that's something that you can only do if you've established this character 30 years ago, you know, Um, and it's you really feel it. Well, I think also just the 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 three way conversation in the hallway between the uh, the one group and the uh, kanji club. You can't trust those little freaks like where there's nobody left in the galaxy for a Han Solo to swindle. <laughs> I think that that's like uh, it's pretty hardcore foreshadowing to Han's end. But well, uh, yeah, I mean, at other points you're like, you're a dead man. <laughs> yeah, but it was still it, it, was, it was that was classic, you know, like Han Solo still at it. I'm going to talk my way out of it. I always do. Yes, I do. Okay. Well, any complaints? Uh, Lowlights? I have, I have no idea. I don't think so. <laughs> really? I'm still a little bit in the days of the movie. Mm. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I have capabilities to be a nitpicker. So, mm. uh, I thought the dog fights were neat, but I never felt totally invested in them. I didn't feel like there was a sense of story happening. Like you, you weren't really getting into the mindset of the pilots. You were just kind of watching it. Mm. Um. Which I think part of that is just because they have a lot of different characters in this movie. And it's kind of hard to give them all their moment. You know, it's like we're invested in Finn and Ray and the fight with Kylo. And so I think they, it was almost like they tried to edit around Starkiller being destroyed and like get it out of the way. Like, like the, the editing of Starkiller based destruction was kind of odd to me. Like there was never like a, like, a, like we did it, like, woo, like, cheer or anything like that, you know? Like, mm-hmm. there was never, a, like, a musical cue that was, like, you know, that kind of emphasized it. It just kind of, like, started blowing up. And it's like, all right, let's get back to that lightsaber fight now. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, like, Poe Dameron is, is a lot more amazing and cool than you would have thought based on the promotional stuff. And it just frustrates me that you have Poe Dameron, you have Starkiller Base. Why would you care about a Rogue One? Stealing the Death Star plans moving now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the fact that Poe Dameron shows you the size of the Death Star compared to the size of Starkiller <laughs> Base is a nice visual 
metaphor for why well, it doesn't matter. Like Han says, it's bigger. So what? You know. But uh, would you say that the presence of Greg Grunberg took you out of the dogfights at all? No, it wasn't that. It was just that I, I never felt a sense of story happening there. It wasn't, you know, like when when Luke is in his fighter, you're like you're concerned about him. You see what's happening to his fellow, you know, pilots and the way they're being taken down. There was kind of cause and effect and like a story logic to it. Whereas here it was just like, oh yeah, there's some dogfights happening, and I guess they're losing now. You don't really know why. You don't know, you know, like is it is it that they they can't compete against these like missiles that are being fired at them? Like what is it that's causing them to lose? You know, hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's I just, think it's I think it's that there was way too many uh tie fighters and ground to air assault. Oh, you can you can intuit that, but it's not the same as in something like a new hope where you know like oh like Vader and his crew are like destroying think, everyone when they get into the trench. Like that's the danger, you know. I think the issue there is that while Poe Dameron was like one of those sensational character finds and, and a breath of fresh air, he you know he disappears with with mm-hmm. very little fanfare for a huge chunk of the movie. And he's just yeah. this cool bro. And it's it's not like it was Ray in the cockpit there. It wasn't Finn in the cockpit there. And so um, I too, well, there's, like, I really want to go back to this uh, lightsaber fight in the snowy woods. And there's no antagonist against him up in the air there. It's just kind of, you know, faceless TIE fighters. Plus, you know, I, in my heart of hearts, I was pretty sure they were going to you know be successful in blowing up the Starkiller base. Mm-hmm. I did not know what was going to happen with that lightsaber fight. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's anything they could have done. Well, I think at the very least they could have the editing could have been better. There could have been like when he flies out after like going inside and blowing everything up, like for him to cheer and then cut back to the rebel base. And, you know, they like, you know, they're released something to kind of be like, hey, you know, you did it. Not just like and the music did nothing. It was just kind of like generic action music. It was nothing to kind of let you know that this was even a moment. Hmm. Uh, so that was one, and I do think the score is a bit unmemorable. I really like the the last uh, song on the soundtrack, "The Jedi Steps" and finale is excellent. Ray's theme is pretty good. Everything else is okay, but it's not like you're not like whistling that tune really. No, like, there, it, it's, it's it's much more functional than kind of based around characters. I felt like it's definitely the feel of Star Wars, but there's no yeah, there's no binary sons or any of that there's nothing none of those little individual grace notes i did like the little uh mas Kanata, like castle bar song mm-hmm. um it's not like, on the soundtrack sadly oh yeah i'm sure it'll eventually be released on like some special alternate version or something yeah um but yeah other than that is it did feel like there were maybe like 10 minutes on the cutting room floor that i don't think anyone would have minded if it stayed in the movie right um, but yeah, those would be my complaints. I know a lot of people complain about the kind of structure of the plot being superficially similar to New Hope. I just didn't care about that at all because it's not really the same. I don't know. The tone of this movie is so different. The characters are so different that to be like, yes, technically there are these like plot elements that if you obscure them enough, it looks like a New Hope. I It just, I don't know. It didn't bother me at all, personally. It didn't bother me at all, plus... A Star Wars movie, I think you're supposed to expect a certain case of that. I mean, if anything, it's closer to Return of the Jedi, except for the droid stuff, you know. Mm. Mm. I uh, I mean, I kind of expected it to be 
you know, closer to A New Hope. Just as same as like Phantom Menace has a lot of elements that are mm-hmm. somewhat similar to A New Hope as it's supposed to. Uh, that's kind of how Star Wars works. Um, it's it's the anthology, the side movies or whatever that there's no precedent for for how they'll do. Only well, I, I do kind of suspect that it was somewhat intentional to they really wanted to make you give you like a little bit of like greatest hits of some of the, the kind of ideas of Star Wars to be like, hey, Star Wars is back. This is what you're used to. Now we can go do the new stuff, but we want right. to like get people like into Star Wars again and then we can move on. Well, this is the bridge movie. It has mm-hmm. to show you that it connects to the other six movies, but it also has to tell you why there's a future for like another 30 years of these movies. And I think I think it does it admirably. Um, you and I are both nerds. We both downloaded and tried to read the novelization. Um, <laughs> how far did you get? Not a few chapters in. I mean, I'll, I'll get back to it. I've, I've been busy playing Fallout 4, but um, I dropped it after chapter one. Um, the, the the writing style is not very good. The Alan Dean Foster writing style is not great at all. Apparently, uh, the line that was cut was a reshoot for Poe Dameron in the beginning to say to Max von Sydow, she's royalty, but don't call her princess. I mean, that 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 whole sequence. I mean, if that's stuff that was in the original script, I'm so glad that they cut it. There's well, apparently really, a moment I, where Max von Sydow and Poe Dameron are like, no, after you, you should run away first. No, you should run away first. No, you should run away first. Okay, it wasn't quite like that. But uh, I, I really liked the scene with Max von Sydow. I mean, it was very short, but I feel like you, you immediately know like why this guy is like a name that's been around forever acting-wise. Like He brought a ton of gravitas and charisma just that small little scene just that line you know to me she's royalty you're like oh yeah well i think this guy has some weight behind him it sets up a much better introduction for kylo ren than you could have expected um you know what i've come for yeah okay well let's uh let's just move into general discussion so is the main currency on jakku just left over imperial mres well, so is is that what they are? Or like, where is that guy getting them? That's my impression, though. I mean, yeah. if everything else is scavenged, wouldn't that make sense if they just found a shit ton of MREs? I I suppose. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like he's he's got like all this stuff. He he must be selling it off world or something. So he ha- he must have some way of getting off planet. Like we see that there are ships departing. Well, somehow he acquired from somebody else the Millennium Falcon. So yeah, there's some kind of mm-hmm. you know crossover there yeah. well let's um let's just talk right now about the whole mary sue thing okay because i haven't seen that crop up from little people like max landis and i just feel like that's such a it's such a bullshit pejorative term that people throw out mm. that so rarely ever applies i don't think it applies in this case um i mean it's a term from fan fiction meant to describe a very particular type of character who's inserted into, you know, typically like the crew of the Enterprise or something. And it's like, oh, she's perfect at everything and she helps people fix their problems mm-hmm. and then usually dies at the end. Well, uh, it's also author fantasy to a certain extent. Well, no, it's that term has been mutated and changed over time to be this kind of catch all for like, I want to insult this writer's work. I'll call their main character Mary Sue. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's become pejorative. It's not what it was originally intended to describe but it's it's particular driven against female characters female authors mm-hmm. yeah well that, that's what it's become um but yeah it's just i claims of mary sue and you can find this like almost anytime there's like a main female character in, in anything now it seems like 
it's really annoying because it's it's not accurate and it's it's so dismissive of things that we give male characters a pass for. Mm. Um, I mean, people are like, "Oh, race too perfect." It's like, yeah, because because Luke, he didn't even know, like, he'd never flown an X-wing before, but he took down the Death Star. No one complained about that. No one was just like, "No, that's bullshit. That would never happen." You ruined Darth Vader's character by having Luke win. Like, I've seen so many people be like, "Oh, you ruined Kylo Ren. You wasted him." Like now. What's the point of his character if he got beat by Ray? It's like, wow, use your imagination. Well, it's the difference between the Mary Sue and the uh, the gifted one. I mean, it's... it's uh, I, I feel like, like 90% of the time somebody online calls somebody a Mary Sue, they're inaccurate. Max Linus's whole diatribe, he might as well have capped it off with, actually, it's about ethics and Star Wars stories. Yeah. Well, it, it annoys... It, it ignores the uh, the kind of context of the, the fight at the end. Mm. Um, Ray, we've already been you've been shown that she's a very capable fighter. She knows how to fight with melee weapons. Mm. Uh, we know she's strong in the force. Kylo Ren just got shot with the bowcaster, which has been like very specifically established to be very powerful. Yeah, you know, like they they really made a point of showing you how powerful that weapon is, and he's been like shot in the gut. And he got cut by Finn. Mm. Like, it's not exactly on equal terms. Like, you could see, like, Kylo Ren fully focused, not thinking about how he just killed his father and, like, not injured. That fight could go differently. And that's okay. Like, th they're going to fight again at some point in the next few movies, I'm sure. Mm. Like I said, she's she's not perfect. It's not... I don't know. It, it, to me, it's a great fight. I, it's just people... The same people who like want to vaguely say uh, John Vega doesn't look like mm -hmm. a Star Wars character. Well, people wouldn't be making these complaints if she was Raymond. That's you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I love that. I love that. Finn. One of his lines is, "Yep, I'm a Resistance fighter. This is what we look like." You know, he he really reminded me. I was trying to think of like who does he remind me in that scene? I think it's actually Cisco from the Flash. Was the vibe I was getting from him. I can say that a little bit. Mm -hmm. He's got a lot of character that he's finally allowed to, to to let out. I think out of out of mm -hmm. the helmet, out of the outfit. I think they were smart to say, like, if you want to really like let this character last, we have to let him give Harrison Ford shit. Like he has to be like, why are you doing that? Why are you, why are you making this head gesture? Why are you doing that? You know, like he's got to be able to do that. Otherwise, you know, like you can't have just Har like like Harrison Ford stomping around, grumping at everybody. Mm -hmm. And put like bowing him in the silence. Well, and I think part of Finn's character is that he's probably never even allowed to show much of a personality yeah. in the first order, and now he can, and he's he's like really having fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, even you know, he talked about like this the this thing on Jakku is his first mission or whatever, and it's like I just wonder like how dark was it? You know, everything in between that from being stolen from your initial family to however you were trained or raised and given like a serial number. Like how shitty was all that until you ended up on their their star destroyer, which was called what the finalizer. The finalizer is the name of uh, the star destroyer. Yeah, that's so. Seemingly, that maybe they have more. Like we don't know how many ships they even have. They just lost their base. The next to laster. Well, I love how 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 well defined and undefined the 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 power structure of the galaxy currently is. There's the New Republic, uh, who kind of supports unofficially the uh the resistance there's the first order who just seems like a competing nation of some sort 
it's fascinating. There's also that king who wants some Raftars out there who I would not think is related to any of the either two. Um, well, you know, I, I know one of the other complaints is that this movie didn't like explain enough. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't enough exposition explaining like what's happened the past 30 years, which I see as a plus. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I feel like in that speech that general Hux gives, we get most of the context there of like the political state, mm. you know, there's a Republic, they're secretly supporting this resistance. This angers the first order because they, they know that the Republic is behind it mm. and they want to bring, obviously they want to bring back the empire and kind of, you know, that, that type of order. And so, and then they, you know, they kill the Republic home planet anyway. So it's like, you didn't really need to get to know them that well. Well, for all the fucking geeks out there who, who bemoan the loss of their, their stupid EU, like this is what you would get in EU. This is where you leave those little details for, for your imagination well, to flesh th- out. There's going to be plenty of books and comics and video games and whatnot that take place in that time period where they can fill in the details. I mean, yeah, I just don't think you need that much of it in the movie. I mean, you don't get that much in the original Star Wars movies either about like what the galactic state of affairs is because you don't really need it. Right. Yeah, there's nothing. There's no gaps that harm the the progression of plot. And I guess I, I felt like I had an idea of the general stakes just from the speech that Hux gives. Yeah. When, when Bill Weasley goes to his very dark place. <laughs> Going full Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got to talk about Ray's lineage because, uh, isn't that the question of the day? Uh, for most, I guess. Yeah. Is there any, like, I get, she could just be some random person. But it seems like they've made such a big deal winking about who she is that it would it would almost seem like you're just like kind of pissing off the audience not to say she's related to someone. Yeah. Like it's like, oh, reverse fake out. She's not related to anyone. It's like, what 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 is the payoff for that? Well, I would counter with I feel like Kylo Ren is also one of your main characters. And I would be shocked if like his potential redemption is not an issue in the next two movies. I don't know about that. I feel like this was the movie that said, no, he's not being redeemed. Han we Solo gave see. it his best shot. We shall see. So you think he's going to be redeemed, huh? I, I, I think it's going to be an issue. I think it's going to be something. I guess I took him killing Han as to say like, no, there is no possibility for redemption here. Hmm. So is that what you thought when uh, Vader killed Obi-Wan? No. Okay. No, because Vader is hardly even a character in A New Hope. Okay. But I guess, I, to me, the way they set that up with, like, you know, Leia saying to Han, you know, Luke's a Jedi, you're his father. It's like if there's anyone who could get into Kylo Ren at this point, it's his father. And Han Han doesn't seem to believe it himself. I feel like the way he's portrayed, every time Kylo Ren comes up, you can see like a shadow pass over Han's face. Like he knows that that is his doom. And I, what I think I like about Harrison Ford's entire storyline in this movie is not only is it a great capper, it's a great revisit capper to the, to the Han Solo story. To me, this is like the great last Indiana Jones movie too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like I enjoyed his scenes in this so much better than everything in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Well, his line, 
not a movie I disliked at all. His line, you know, well, you tell him Han Solo stole it back for good. That that really felt like an Indiana Jones line. Well, and like after Last Crusade, I mean, it was pretty much made clear by Spielberg that like that's that's what those movies were going to be about, fathers and sons. And I feel like they nailed it here. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Adam Driver, the uh, the the offspring of Marilyn Manson and Snape, like maybe less annoying than like if Shia LaBeouf had been in this role. Oh, you think? Oh my I, God! I don't know. I don't Putting know. Shia is the role of Kylo Ren. That's that's awful. Don't even think that. <laughs> like I said, it's better than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really feel like he knew that that was a a doomed quest, but it, it was like he had to do it. He's his father, and he's kind of answering that heroic call one last time, even though it's like doomed in and tragedy. He's going to try it, and for for a moment, it seemed like it was going to work, and then the light goes out, and mm. that's it. But I, I I like how open they can be with so many things. Uh, Finn and Ray could spend the whole trilogy just being friends. There could be some kind of romantic thing that, that grows from that. Mm-hmm. Um, her flashback, which I think is fascinating, the Force calls to her, you know, the lightsaber calls to her as she's being abandoned by Finn yet again at Masconada's. Like, it's just designed to be so enigmatic and make you so curious about what's what's going to happen. What, who is this girl? What mm-hmm. is her story? Um, how does it tie into Luke's? Because um, it's interesting how it how the flashbacks blend. You know, there are the Luke stuff. There is the Kylo Ren stuff. There is the future stuff. Her in the forest with Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. But there's also like her her being abandoned with uh, Simon Pegg there on. Oh, that's the the great thing about the force is it, it can kind of show you whatever it wants to. Yeah. So you're not like, I see some people are saying like, no, she's seen memories of the lightsaber. And then other people are like, no, it's, it's her own memories or it's, it's like, it's the force. It can, it just shows you what it, it, what it wants to show you. It doesn't necessarily have to be tied to one point of view even. Exactly. But the memories of the lightsaber thing, I feel like half of those memories, the lightsaber was not present for. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's a nice idea, but I think it's- well, a lot of that become, comes from one of the rumored leaks was that that uh, the map that uh, they get at the beginning, uh-huh. the, the, the rumor is that the, uh, Poe Dameron wasn't going to receive a map. He was going to get Luke's lightsaber that had been found. Right. That is like the MacGuffin. They fall through the whole movie. And then people built up this whole whole theories about how that would go down and how like there's this new force power called like psychometry where like you like touch an object, you can see the history of the object. And like people like really built up all this stuff based on some obscure like kind of quasi canon stuff from like the cartoons and the books. And then the movie, as predicted, ignored all that and told a much simpler story. Well, as as Mount Kanata says, it's a great question for another time. Mm hmm. Um, well, yeah, the one rumor was that after the opening crawl, we would pan down into space and see the lightsaber floating past the camera. Yep. Didn't happen. Just Thank as God. I knew it wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it would have burned up in an atmosphere of any planet it fell to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Ray's, Ray's lineage. I, I feel like it's like 90% she's Luke's daughter. 9% she's another character's daughter that we've we've met or something and like one percent she just is like some random person for some reason i i guess i just don't see the value in making her no one like what do you what do you gain by that i don't i don't feel like like the ideally you'd be like oh it's a story about 
legacy versus merit. You know, Kylo Ren thinks he he deserves it, but like Ray is actually, you know, this no one who's like the true chosen one. I don't totally buy that though, because she's still like she still has these like magical force powers. It's not like she she didn't necessarily earn those. I mean, she's very capable in lots of other ways, but the force isn't something that she like arrived at through merit. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I I I put it completely in the hands of Ryan Johnson. I feel like if they go with that, I, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. And in like 18 months, I'll be talking about how great it mm. is that she's not a Skywalker, or I will be talking about how great she's a Skywalker. It doesn't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't put as much heaviness on it as you are. Like, uh, I I I believe in this character right now that I almost. Oh, she's a great character. Yeah. I almost don't care where she came from because I'm very curious where she's going. Uh, I guess I just would hope that it. there's a reason that they've been so coy about where she comes from other than just like, Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. She's no one like that to me is just like anticlimactic. Well, I think, I think her lineage won't decide who she is too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know that they already filmed some of the stuff for episode eight on Skellig Michael because they had to, because of the location. But I mean, if they did like some kind of Godfather two thing where there's like flashbacks and, you know, like present day stuff, I'd be fascinated by that. I think star Wars can easily, not have to do that too um it's an interesting place where they leave themselves as they go forward where you have ray you know with luke and then you have we hope the uh the bromance between poe and finn Mm -hmm. continuing the how to word it the pomance Mm -hmm. um as i've said after every showing i feel like uh poe is the guy who when they celebrate is just like we need more shots yeah i think all all ships are on the table at this point yeah yeah. Um, what if I mean, what if Poe and Ray are going to compete for Finn? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What yeah. was yeah, what was Carrie Fisher's advice, Daisy Ridley? <laughs> something like don't go through the crew like wildfire or something, <laughs> which just makes everyone think like that's speaking from experience. Uh, I'd like to think that after she said it to Daisy Ridley, she then said it to John Boyega and then she mm-hmm. turned to Oscar Isaac and was like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so how great was BB-8 in this movie? Fantastic. So I was just reading the Entertainment Weekly from a few weeks ago, uh, their little issue on, on The Force Awakens before I came mm-hmm. over here to do this. And so one of the bits is with the the creature shop, the head of the creature shop, Neil Scanlon, something like that, mm-hmm. who talked about like one of the amazing qualities about BB-8 is that as they were designing him, they assumed that he's a little bit manipulative mm-hmm. and he knows he's cute. Yeah. Yeah, he or she, whatever, knows that they're cute and knows how to use it. <laughs> BB-8 is fantastic. I, I honestly, sadly, did not miss R2 at all. I love the nudge he gives R2. I mean, that's just like pure adorableness. I, uh, I want to read all the articles I can now on how Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz worked as vocal consultants for BB-8. Like, what does that mean? It was something or like, J.J. Abrams sat down with like an iPad with like mm-hmm. a, a microphone plugged into it and some weird app. And like they just him and Bill Hader like played around with some app that like modulates your voice. And I don't know. It was weird. It sounds fascinating. I mm-hmm. believe that the initial design came from J.J. Abrams, like just some kind of crude sketch he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that to me is more than anything except maybe Ray, like you you've got to give it up for JJ for the design of BB eight. It's like a perfect addition to star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's a great evolution because he, you know, 
He definitely reminds you of like the R2D2 Astromech droid and all that mm-hmm. stuff. He is something fascinatingly new. Um, I love the way he like zooms on over to uh, Poe Dameron when they get back to the, re- the resistance base. Like th- you could very much anthropomorphize it as like a dog, like coming back to its master yeah, type yeah. of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, if R2 was Wilson from Castaway, but like mm-hmm. it's the thumbs up. Yeah. Where it's like it's completely solidified if it wasn't before somehow. See, now I just want to go watch this movie again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thumbs up just killed in every show, and except for that last one we went to, where the audience was completely dead. I think that audience was technically dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But, well, it was funny. Is that every showing, uh, Han and Chewie get an applause. Well, the, the titles get an applause. Han and Chewie get an applause. The Falcon gets an applause. And it wasn't until like our third showing. We've seen this movie a lot, you guys. Mm-hmm. The third showing <laughs> where finally a few people did a small round of applause for Leia. Which I was like, Yeah, we got we got some Leia stuff in the first one, I think. I think by the time you get to Luke, the idea of applauding isn't on the table anymore because you're in so much awe of what's about to happen. Well, I feel like with Leia it was it was more of an emotional moment. Everyone's just like, Oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, other it's, it's you think about like these romances like decades later. Mm-hmm. Han and Leia have not been together for a long time. Han and the uh, Falcon have not been together for a long <laughs> time. Well, it's really interesting. You know, we we did eight episodes on Harry Potter, and there's always this question like, will they ever make more? I think this movie is a really interesting kind of case study in like how you can bring back older characters. And like show the kind of the weight of the years on them. Yeah. It really makes me wonder. Like I've, I've been kind of secretly wondering, like based on the reception of this movie, is this going to light a fire under JK Rowling to maybe do something with her characters in the future? I mean, she's doing that whole cursed child thing, but that thing just seems so weird because it's like a play. Like it almost seems like that's her way of just like testing the waters for maybe doing more books or, or something. Well, in, in a, in a media format where she can kind of like brush it aside if, if it doesn't go well. I mean, it's fitting that they just announced the casting for that play, but yeah, like it's obviously it's about Harry's son, but it's, it's still Harry, obviously Harry, Ron and Hermione are involved and you would think in a somewhat big way because they're our big three. I'm very curious to how they work them in. Mm-hmm. How much do you really need Ron? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm very interested, but maybe like a little nervous about that whole production of the cursed child just because it's such a strange format. Yeah. Well, like, and, and if, if you can't get to London or New York or yeah. whatever to see it, like, are you just fucked? It's kind of like, Hey, what, what if you just wrote a book though? What, what if you did that? You know, because that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. Despite it being a play, uh, having, heard very little bit about it having seen the casting but having also seen the trailer for fantastic beasts mm-hmm. i'm actually much more curious about the story of cursed child than fantastic beasts the trailer did not explode my imagination mm. into into new light or whatever it, it looks like it'll be interesting i mean the concept sounds it sounds fun i don't know if it'll have that kind of emotional resonance that harry potter has but i uh i would say that i'm just if harry's kids got some problems i'm just as curious about hermione's opinion on it as i am <laughs> harry and jenny's i don't give a shit what ron thinks poor ron yeah bloody um, hell but yeah just the the way we have older han solo and leia in this movie made me think about what would older harry and ron and hermione be like oh. uh, obviously they had a, a much happier ever after than uh han and leia did 
Right. Right. It's it's really interesting that they decided to go that way too. I mean, they they could have just been like everything's been great for thirty years, and now new drama starts. But instead, it was like all this crazy shit has happened in the meantime. Nobody got the happy ending you thought they would get. And here's the movie 30 years later. Well, I mean, so the, you were saying that the supposedly the draft that Michael aren't turned in featured like Ray on a planet that gets destroyed. She, you know, is now makes it off. Apparently yeah, makes it off. She has no home. She's disenfranchised. She hangs out with Luke. Luke basically is supposedly the chrism is that overpowers the story. Once he shows up, Mm mm-hmm. And I mean, I could see where well, it's like the adventures of Ray were like Luke was around. So anytime anything, you know, any action started, he just like took over. Right. And I could see where that script falls on on J.J. Abrams desk. And he's just like, uh, no, I'm not going to direct this fan fiction. I don't, I don't want it. I, that to me, it's calling something fan fiction when you're talking about officially released uh, movies and whatnot it's kind of a pejorative it's it, i see that stuff lobbed at jj as well like oh this is just jj's fan fiction it's like no this is a real movie you know get over it and i think that's what jj abrams brought to it though mm-hmm. so uh supreme leader snoke um is he modeled on bill nye also is is he that big in real life or is this hologram setting on like god emperor mode <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Snoke, I don't know. It's it's wait and see with Snoke. It's like they made such a huge deal like, oh, we went and got Andy Serkis or, you know, it's like motion caption, mo- motion capture, you know, skills. He's so amazing at it or whatever. Like you could have they didn't even need motion capture for that. Like, no, could have been anyone um, could have just been a dude in a chair and makeup. It seemed like so I guess it's like wait and see as to like. How essential is this character? Are we going to see him moving around a lot? Do we really need him to be motion capture? Well, and is is he is he the Wizard of Oz? Is there a mm-hmm. man behind the curtain? Like apparently, Han and Leia like know of him, and somehow he seduced Kylo Ren away. So yeah, I, I can only assume we're going to get more. I mean, the the one thing like you're saying, somebody does really well is it it writes it to many possibilities and mm-hmm. it's like maybe ray is luke's daughter maybe she's not uh you know maybe snoke is this way maybe he's not there's so many different ways they can go with the story from now on and it's going to be really interesting to see what ryan johnson does with it. well i think that's what makes the movie a raging success is that it creates this bloom of possibilities but creates within you a necessity to see where it goes mm-hmm. like there's so many choices and i don't think the movies will necessarily pick the obvious ones um, but maybe it will, and maybe that'll be what's satisfying. But yeah, just the fact that that <laughs> there are so many questions like Snoke and Ray's lineage, and what do you do with Finn now, and what do you do with Poe, and and like BBA. Is, is Finn gonna have to wear like a back brace from now on or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah like sliced up the spine with a lightsaber. Ooh, yeah. I was I was a little bummed that he wasn't in a back to tank at the end, but. Maybe Ray like kissing a back to tank wouldn't have had the same kind of resonance as her kissing his forehead. Well, I think that they left that kind of vague. Like I said, they could very well like be a romantic couple by the end of these movies. They I may mean, just be good friends, and either one of those would be preferable to me. Um, it. How did you read it? Because it seemed to me like maybe Ray wasn't totally into him, but it seems like he's into her. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, once the, once the he starts inquiring about her cute boyfriend. Mm-hmm. potential cute boyfriend well he talks about you know the way you looked at me but like basically like she looked at him as heroic and he'd never been looked that way before yeah uh, but then i think there is something the other way too where 
he came back for her the last time she saw him he was like taking off in uh mas canada's castle and then he shows up and you know trying to rescue her that means something to somebody who's just been abandoned you know her whole life and isn't used to anyone caring about her well i think what's fascinating is that both both Ray and Poe Dameron have that moment where a character who we can't understand, who we mm-hmm. love, is like, they just told me that you're the biggest hero of all time, Finn. <laughs> <laughs> like, at the same time, like, could Ray like, suddenly be very like, touched in her heart by Finn? Could Poe as well? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, John Vega is, is, is wonderful in this role. I mean, he's exactly what I think you needed. Like, the everyman brings it together i mean there's there's such an interesting parallel to just the meta-ness of this that 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 these are star wars fans who are growing up playing characters who are talking about the Mm -hmm. legend you know like the the nerdy fan who picks up the lightsaber and thinks that they can like fight people (laughs) well i love the the moment when he's like he's kind of like taking it taking it a little too far with uh captain phasma there he's like i'm in charge now i'm the one who's in charge and i'm just like "Hey, hey chill out you know but that's like to me, that's so true to his character. He's been kind of, you know, just this shitty, like, drudgery his whole life, you know, like, can never question command, can never show personality. And he's, like, so overjoyed to be like, no, you know, like, I get to do what I want to do now. Well, him and Han both get that with Han's, like, mm-hmm. uh, is there a trash chute? Is there a trash compactor? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of glad, you know, since she was like, who told you you could take off that mask or the helmet? I'm kind of glad that they don't take off her helmet in this one. I'm sure we'll see Gwendolyn's Christie's face in the next one. But, like, it almost seems like that would be degrading to the character of Phasma, in a sense. To take her mask off? To kind of, like, strip her of of the office, the everything that goes with being a stormtrooper or the head of the stormtroopers. If You're not allowed that identity underneath Mm -hmm. the helmet. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Phasma... I, I, you know, there's not much to that character, but just her look alone and and something that, that... when Chrissy brings vocally, I am very curious to see where that character goes. I know that the rumor is what that she'll be, or the the theorizing is that she'll be kicked out of the uh, first order to become like a bounty hunter. I think that's just what people want to have happen because they want her to be new Boba Fett, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's already done more to be interesting to me in a way that Boba Fett never really was. I'll put it that way. Well, they it, they do have a lot of characters to work with. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what they do with that in episode eight, because they have like four different villain characters, plus Benicio del Toro now. Right. Uh, and then all our heroes as well. And then Luke's, you know, Han's gone. Luke's being added to the mix. Oh, and, and there's the Knights of Ren. Who... There's the Knights of Ren. There's the new female role they're casting or possibly two, two female roles. Two, yeah, yeah. So um, I love that we were joking that if you look at the Knights of Ren's weapons, there are all these weird melee weapons. The one dude appears to have just a giant cricket bat. It's like space cricket bat, yeah. Which <laughs> I just figure like the other guys are like, um, usually our weapons light up into laser swords of some sort. And he's just well, like, no, I'm good. It really seems like Kylo Ren is the only one with a lightsaber. Like, yeah. even like it kind of reminded me a little bit. It went on Jakku and finn's looking for blaster like nobody even has blasters there they all just have like you know, like sticks and you know nice. like staff you know uh, staffs and whatnot yeah uh, well and, and it's it's more functional for her job but like ray has a knife a small little mm-hmm. knife oh you know one one little bit i loved with ray was her sledding down the sand zone. yeah that was a very cool angle the, the whole introduction of ray is just great 
You just, oh, you get that whole like slice of life of what it's like to be Ray. Like I love, she puts that helmet on uh, when she's like eating her her food. So adorable, and it just has this like kind of like there's a an optimism that belies her circumstances. Well, it reminds you, know? you of the dreamer aspect of Luke in Episode mm-hmm. Four. You know, remember Luke was going to join the academy if if he could have. Uh, mm-hmm. But I love that they cut from Finn, you know, in one Imperial hangar to to ray like scavenging through the remains of an older imperial hangar mm-hmm. um both wearing their masks uh you know they're, they're desperate to come off but star wars is interesting stuff of identity i mean we were talking a little bit before we recorded about kylo ren and and how he refers to i'm gonna guess you call him ben solo or ben mm-hmm. organa solo that, that it's somebody he had to destroy because he was weak um, it's just interesting how Star Wars deals with identity, I guess. Yeah. Well, Ray, she, her kind of first outfit where she has that kind of like hood on, she has some sort of, I don't even know what you'd call it, some sort of like shoulder thing on mm-hmm. that covers her shoulders and, and hood. Kylo Ren has the exact same thing, only it's, it's in black. Um, so that's just like another parallel between the two of them. You know, it's one of those things where you, you, that part of you who like gets older and just, it, wonders about the engineering of your fictional universes. It's like, I'm, I would love to be there as Kylo Ren's assembling his outfit, his whole, his whole affect. <laughs> I really dig the look of Kylo Ren. I, I was not disliking it. It was not when I first saw it, it was not the most impressive thing. And then I've kind of warmed up to it, but in the movie, it totally works for me. And plus JJ Abrams, he, uh, he does a great job of emulating Star Wars, you know, movies. And I think he was doing a little bit of that in Star Trek. But he definitely comes from the Spielberg school of, like, sound is so much more important than you realize. Mm-hmm. And how you, how you show sound. On well, screen. and I think they, he also did a, a, some great work with Adam Driver. Just the way Kylo Ren moves yeah, is very imposing. Um, just the the contrast between like he kind of has this like flowing robe, but then his arms are are bare and kind of like tight, skin tight, yeah, skin tight, and yeah, you really just see the emotion in the way he swings them. They do a good job of making you think that helmet is weighs a ton. Yeah, yeah, the helmet sounds seems like it weighs like twenty pounds at least, <laughs> just like solid steel. Does Hux have like a, a squadron? It's just assigned to be like the uh, like tantrum cleanup crew. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> it's just like they install some like fake controls for him to keep destroying over and over again. And just random guys like to deliver bad news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely get. I mean, in addition to Finn, we get a lot more of the 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 working class side of the Empire no. or the, the First Order. You know. Like those poor bastards having to deliver the bad news or like the stormtroopers who are like, oh, shit, like uh, looks like Kylo Ren's throwing a tantrum. Let's just go the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or the fucking Daniel Craig stormtrooper. Yeah. Scavenger scum. Uh, like people. Daniel really Craig's like, scavengers. only dude, if I can insult the woman. Yeah. Yeah. Can I have some gruel to throw in her face? <laughs> Yeah, I'm so curious about Ray, and they were being so coy about her, you know, the whole like, you know, me too, big secret. And then like, with, when she leaves the table to go talk to Finn, like Maz Kanata turns to Han, and she's like, "Who's the girl?" You know, Kylo Ren's like, "What girl?" Like, it really seems like maybe Kylo Ren knows her or suspects he knows her. 
I well, mean, if nothing I, else, it seems like Ray is from the Academy originally, right? Like, whether or not she's necessarily Luke's kid, it seems like she may have been at the Academy at some point. Possibly. I mean, she has that, that vision of, like, the slaughter. Maybe that means she's there, maybe not. Right. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think that anything is hard and fast based on mm-hmm. that flashback. I think that flashback does an amazing job of what it's supposed to, which is just keep you titillated and curious. One, I mean, it gives you a sense of the story, just enough of the backstory to keep you moving forward. One interesting theory I saw, because Kylo Ren, you know, he's seduced by the light. He's always afraid of his weakness. Mm-hmm. And the theory goes that he's actually the one who, like, he, he can't bring himself to kill Rey when he's slaughtering the other Jedi. So he kills one of his fellow Knights of Ren. That's who you see him stabbing. And yeah. he's the one who sends her to Jakku, you know, basically like take her to some shithole. She can live out her life there. And then, you know, at least I'm not responsible for her death. That's a good theory considering that the guy that they stab is wearing a goofy hat. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time we watched it, I didn't notice it. The second time we watched it, I was like, that literal field of bodies is huge. There's like 60 corpses there. Yeah. I mean, that is an orgy of murder. Man, it didn't go well for Luke. No. Well, and I liked that how enigmatic the image from the trailer in the flashback of Luke putting his hand on R2 is. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, it's Luke revealing something. It's giving him a mission. Other people are like, it's Luke consoling R2. I like the idea that um, the fire that's just off screen is like all the bodies of his students that he's burning right now. Yeah, it, it, it's so it's like a funeral pyre. Yeah. Like, where could they be? Yeah. I think but, we, were, we were joking after one of the showings, like, how does Luke eat? At the Jedi Temple, is he just pulling fish out of the ocean with the Force and <laughs> chomping is, down on it? Is that okay to do with the Force? You pull like a like, eagle out of the sky. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, you, you know, to kill a person with the Force would seem wrong, but is it okay to just be like, "Oh, I'm hungry," and just get get a little, you know, trout or I don't know if they have trout in the ocean, but whatever. If I could paraphrase Yoda, I think the Force is only used for knowledge and defense, never offense, and also only for cheap tricks. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like you could grow a ton. You may have a little garden on that that place. (laughs) Want some corn? I grew some corn. (laughs) This is a story about some foreigners getting lost trying to find a place in Ireland. Yeah, exactly. He's like, you know, I used to be a farmer. Of course, I farmed water. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, you know, really what this is a story of is, is a story almost designed for this generation where it's just like, here are two people with incredibly shitty, demeaning jobs. Mm-hmm. And they're going to like break out, steal a vehicle and like have some fun together. Yep. Yep. Uh... And then and then Kylo Ren is almost like he's. Like all the negative stereotypes of millennials, you know, entitled, not as skilled as he thinks he is, whiny. I will show you the true meaning of Lolita. Yeah, he's like, he's just like some like contrarian edgelord who's just like, oh no, you know, like Darth Vader is where it's at. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's like that farmer bro in space. Um, yeah, I was, I was thinking when you mentioned that, it's like that Spielberg movie, Badlands. That's what Ray and Finn are. <laughs> They're Bonnie and Clyde 2015. What'd you think of the duels? The lightsaber duels? Um, you know, anytime I'm a Star Wars fan, anytime a lightsaber is ignited on screen, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, wonderful. You're ignited as well? Yes, excited. exactly. Um, I think it was perfect. I would, I, I'm, 
on the tip of my tongue is the big question, though. Where would you rank this movie with the others? Let's not get there yet. Let's, okay. let's say that for the end. But because um, I would, I would argue. I think you maybe said this already, uh, and I would agree with you here that this movie is possibly to me more successful than A New Hope. And All right, let's, let's say no. Let's not get there yet. Okay. Let's, let's save that question for the end. Um, uh, the duels, I think, were amazing. I think they were interesting and functional, but also just cool. I mean, the the tri-saber, whatever you want to call it, works a lot better than than one would have thought. Uh, those countless dumb YouTube videos of sword aficionados waving those things around. There's one now with Ray Park where he's trying to use it. Um, There's a move that Kylo Ren does. I think it's after he force throws Ray into the tree and comes up behind Finn and he like he ignites his saber and spins it around yeah. and it's just like that it with these with the little crossbars it looks extra cool yeah yeah i mean he's showing off a little bit he's it's it's that's his big one of his big bully moments too because i think at that point he has to know he can't i don't think he's quite aware that Finn has Luke's lightsaber there and no. so it's like he's just like I'm like, are you really that pissed off that this guy left the Empire? Like, traitor! Well, I kind of wonder how much lightsaber combat with, like, against a fellow lightsaber user has he ever done? Like, it's not clear whether or not the Jedi apprentices had lightsabers or not. Right. Like, I I could easily see something where, like, Luke was just trying to teach them about the Force and not go straight to the weapons yet. You know, it's it's possible that he just, like, shredded the Jedi Academy because they hadn't even built their own lightsabers. Well, yeah, I mean, but after that massacre, like, yeah, how many other dudes other than your bros and the Knights of Ren have you mm-hmm. encountered with lightsabers? Mm-hmm. Well, and it's clear that he's toying with Finn, almost like he this is going to be something he enjoys a little bit, fighting him, until Finn cuts him, and then he immediately disarms Finn and just, like, slices him up. Yeah, but I mean, like... <laughs> well, yeah, I think he's just toying with him, he's just taking it. But I mean, like, is Kylo Ren's lightsaber essentially a tool for him fucking up a computer whenever he's had a bad day i mean it doesn't seem like he gets a lot of use for it otherwise other than just like you know murdering people yeah yeah Uh, but yeah the the way he fights and i i thought it was really great and i think so many people complain about like oh mary sue missed this the way he he's really underestimating the situation he's in he's very injured and he's trying to be tough about it and just like, you know, like bang on his wound to kind of like psych himself up yeah. and be like, I'm, I'm, I'm so powerful. I can do this, you know, like nothing can stop me. Uh, and then he, he, that leads to him not really taking Finn seriously. He gets cut again by Finn. And yeah. so by the time he's going to fight Ray, who's like, oh shit, this is a real force user now. And he's in the worst possible position to fight her because of that. Yeah. Well, and just because of his arrogance, you know. People make these jokes like, oh, she's clearly Palpatine's daughter because the way she like just stabs of it. But it's like, I think Ray, maybe she's channeling the dark side a little bit because, you know, that's that's the anger is one of the things you give into. But like she's trying to end a fight. She's not like, well, like she's running away through a lot of the fight. Yeah, she's running away. She's she's I mean, his blows are so powerful. It's sending her away at times. But I mean, it's like she's not sitting here trying to do the dance with him. Like he is, you know, she's yeah. trying to end this. He, he doesn't want to kill her. He wants to stop her. And, you know, he wants to train her, you know, he, he wants, wants to, to overpower show her, the her. Of the force. He wants to overpower her. Yeah. Well, and, and she, uh, the way she uses her lightsaber is kind of like as though she had a staff only like only half of it. Mm-hmm. Like she's, you can definitely, if you really look closely, I think they did a great job in the choreography of showing like, She's fighting the way she knows how with a staff, only she's just using a lightsaber instead. 
And he's just like deflecting it through the whole first half of the fight because he doesn't really want to kill her. He's just trying to, you know, overcome her, basically. I like that uh, when she leaves the uh, Resistance planet at the end to go search for Luke, she takes the staff with her, too. Oh, where'd she get that? She must have made herself a new one. Cause yeah. she, she would have like lost hers on uh, Takadana there. Hmm. She's just all about that staff. Well, did it did it leave the Falcon? Uh, yeah, maybe it was still on the Falcon. Maybe that's where she got it. Yeah. It looks exactly the same. Maybe Luke is like, "Hey, Ray, why don't you ditch the staff? You got a lightsaber now." I don't know. I don't. I don't. She's think like, she it's a really handy walking stick. I don't think she necessarily treats it when she goes to mm-hmm. Luke as her weapon. You know, hence the offering well, it to Luke. It's just like a part of her. The staff is. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, but yeah, the duels are really fun. Finn fighting. I mean, it's clearly like he—he's a little bit skilled with melee weapons, but obviously, is not going to be able to stand up to force user. But he—he acquits he himself well, mm-hmm. and it's still an open question as to whether or not he has some force sensitive sensitivity himself. And he very well could, and I think that that's one of the great things they left open too. I mean, the same way, you know, Leia didn't go become like a Jedi, but she mm-hmm. clearly, obviously, when Han dies, like she feels. Well, there's. It. There's something special about Finn. He yeah. the the brainwashing of the First Order didn't work on him so much that Kylo Ren noticed. He like looks right over at Finn at the beginning, and it's like there's something different about that guy. Which yeah, I mean, is it that, or is he sensing that there's going to be like some kind of future issue with this guy, or what? I think the movie like what it leaves vague is is brilliant. I read some crazy theory where like. Kylo Ren is like the ultimate sleeper and like everything he does in the movie is like designed to like help the the resistance or something where it's like he's the one who plants the idea of defecting in in Finn's mind and like he's the one who plants the idea of uh using Starkiller to reveal themselves to to Hux and like all this stuff is all designed to like ultimately take on uh Snoke at the end I don't think that's going to happen but it, theories like that are fun because they've left us so open like he's playing the long Snape the game? long long game, yeah. Like Snape, mm-hmm. it looks like Snape. <laughs> yeah, he's like young Snape. I just wanted Han to be like, "Are you sure you're not the mailman's baby?" <laughs> Poor Han. I mean, if you get if you had to kill Han, I, I think that's the way to do it. Nice, he just falls into the mist, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, would, well, like you you brought up like Arthurian legends. Mm-hmm. The Lady in the Lake of Swords just took him away. I'm sure you could go write your like like Sarlacc Pit bullshit where you know Han climbs out of there. Well, you know, I mean, if Zack Snyder were directing the next movie, it'd be like, oh no, they recovered his body and made like some weird mutant Han clone out of it. Just ponder that. What do you think about Star Killer Base? Just as as a base, um, you know, functionally. <laughs> Once again, lack of handrails. Yeah, yeah. It functionally doesn't make a lot of sense. I um, kind of like the way it works, personally. Like, the the sucking in a sun thing, I, I wasn't expecting that. And that seemed really neat to me. The idea that they had this base that just travels around, like, eating suns and then shooting them at people. I'm still very curious about the propulsion. Um, I think it's smart that you would keep it snowy. But also that might be due to its lack of uh, uh, regular like like sun rich you know well, environments how they survive after it like uh, sucks all the energy out of the sun well, let's just leave that alone 
Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting that when it fires, it basically just like tears up the ground right around the mm-hmm. the cannon. Um, Briefly got I, to see, I think like Hosnia Prime was like the, the system they destroyed. Well, intergalactic politics, we see the New Republic, the product of all of that freedom fighting in the original trilogy, and 30 seconds later, they're blown to bits. Supposedly, they did film some scene involving the Senate with the character's name is Corsella. Uh, uh-huh. You see her, she's kind of like, she's a young, uh, like, black woman who's kind of in the foreground mm-hmm. of that shot where you see the people on that system for, like, five seconds. Apparently, there was more there that they cut. I'd be interested to see what it is. They could have maybe done a little bit better job just showing you what's getting destroyed. You know, like, yeah, I'm very curious about some of the deleted scenes. This is a movie of no flap at all, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they trimmed it to the bone, which is why I really want to see. Cause I'm sure there's some interesting deleted scenes that they have that they left on the cutting room floor. I But I'm just I'm so fucking relieved to see a movie that packs this much information and excitement and adventure into it and promise and future. And it's two hours and 15 minutes and I'm still haunted by Spectre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it flew by to me. It didn't felt like a, maybe an hour and 45 minute movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I keep coming back to like there was some quote that JJ had about how Lawrence Kasdan convinced him to not put everything into the dialogue and to let let the audience like figure stuff out on their own. And it's like, what what are you referring to by that? Like, because I, I feel like, you know, you could almost say like with Ray, it's like it's obvious who her dad is if you wanted to interpret that way. There's right. so many hints that her dad is Luke Skywalker uh, right up to the that kind of looks at leg is her at the end that it's like you could totally see that. And then they could completely go in a different direction if they wanted to. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, I think us, one of the showings were dismayed that you didn't have a moment with Chewie and Leia when they get back from Starkiller base. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have thought that would have been a good opportunity for, for a hug and Chewie to be like, and oh, Leia, just, a, great in this movie. just mournfully be like, I know, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I mean, I think it's I interesting that, that she the, has her moment with, with uh, Ray there. Yeah, I just want to say I love that bit with Chewie and like the older medic. It's just like that sounds very dangerous. You, you were very so, brave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chewie is so is so great with every character he interacts with. Well, and like Finn, I think it's Finn. He's like, "You're a war hero." <laughs> Chewie's just like, "No." Oh no! Yeah, he's talking about Han. Was yeah, was talking about War Hero, yeah. and she just kind of shrugs. Yeah, a little calm A, a little calm B. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like that that Ray knows him as the smuggler. <laughs> yeah, no, Hansel the smuggler. Uh, but just I love I don't know I always love it even like PLO when we talk about it like I love when characters have to suffer under the weight of their own legend like mm-hmm. Han just that moment on his face when she says like uh, uh, fourteen parsecs. Yeah, he's just like ah, 12, 14, really? You know? mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, Neil deGrasse Tyson, for pointing out that, once again, a parsec is a unit of measurement. Not an original observation. Yeah. What do you think of the kind of more overt like Nazi parallels, basically? Um, I mean, it's funny. It almost seems like just because of Godwin's law and whatnot, it's like, you're hesitant to make the Nazi claim, but this is obviously what they're doing here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The turning the Roman empire into the Nazis, uh, it works. I mean, I mean it, Hux it, is, he's totally going that kind of like crazy fascist anger. 
you know, this will be the last day of the Republic. The way, the way, what the, who he says, he says the acquiesced disorder. It's like the very idea of a, you know, non-orderly government insults him. Yeah, yeah. Well, and just that it's a rally to mm-hmm. to the troops. He's building, like, he's like play, he's Donald Trumping to the base there, and they're eating that shit up. I mean, like, you normally. The second time they fire the weapon, because presumably that's the inaugural firing of the weapon. Yeah. The second time, it's just like, yeah, arm the thing and shoot it or whatever. But it's like he has to like rally the, the troops there for the first time. Oh, I know a lot of people thought he was going to die in this movie just based on some misinterpreted like rumors and leaks. But he really is. I mean, Snoke's just kind of like this weird figure in the background, but he's like the Hitler of the First Order. Like he is in charge. The true he believer. answers yeah. only to Snoke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love the little rivalry between him and, and Kylo Ren. But he must hate Kylo Ren because yeah. he's he's like the the military leader. He's, you know, the kind of official person in charge. But then he has to put up with this like petulant, entitled asshole just because he has some superpowers, you know. Well, you think about the brainwashing of their of their group mm-hmm. at least everyone else falls into a military ranking. Yeah. And then there's Kylo Ren. who Yeah, that must drive kind him of, nuts. Like jerk ass free agent, yeah. Um, Who's constantly going around like wrecking shit? Yes, yes. It's just like <laughs> leave my goddamn st- spaceship alone. Well, their little, their little, uh, uh, like pissing match over, uh, perhaps supreme leader, or perhaps supreme leader Snoke should get a clone army. <laughs> Your men are exceptional at treason. I'm gonna have so much fun with Kylo Ren voice from now on. I just wish there was I'll more. I'll show you the dark side. Well, I think I think they they had to have been like like we do not want to have the same issue with like Bane had. We don't want anyone to be like I didn't understand a word he was saying. Well, the compression they put on his voice when he has the mask on is it's perfect for it. It's like it sounds weird and filtered. And I actually thought Adam Driver. I mean, he's he's really great in general, but the way he modulates Kylo Ren's voice depending mm-hmm. on his emotional state, I thought was really effective. He's when he's being full Kylo Ren, his voice is very low. And yeah. then when he starts to get him more emotional, his voice goes up and he's not able to affect that same level of uh, kind of, you know, intimidation. The droid stole a freighter. <laughs> um, but I like that, you know, beyond like Adam Driver's own physical handicaps of his face, like uh, he's just a normal looking dude under that mask. And, and General Hux is just a young, petulant asshole himself. Well, and he's not wearing the mask because he needs it like Vader did. He's just right. wearing the mask because Vader did, pretty much, you know? Like, and Because he just wants to be, like, intimidating like Vader. And possibly to hide from his own reflection to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's like, you could argue, like, does he get a little bit of what he wants, being, like, wounded and cut across the face and the arms and stuff by his, his opponents? I was reading something, or I know we were kind of theorizing, like, Maybe no one ever told him or he never learned that Anakin was redeemed at the end of his life. And then yeah. I saw something in an interview where uh, Adam Driver was talking about he knew, but that he saw that as the insidiousness of the light side of the force. Mm. Okay. That, that, that they could seduce you away from your purpose. Well, that's what makes the twist so fun. He's, he's not being seduced by the dark side. He's being seduced by the light side. Right, right. Uh, he has these like moments of weakness that... Yeah, especially when it comes to Ray, like the, the way he freaks out and he's just like, who, you know, who is this girl? Mm. That to me tells me he he must suspect or know something about a force powered girl because he flipped out just at the mere mention of a girl. 
Well, they're not doing the prequel route where it's just like you're referring to the prophecy of the one. Uh, prophecy. The prophecy we never even fucking hear. Don't get me started on that. I mean, if you're going to put a prophecy in a movie, at least give us a prophecy. Don't well, be so big. You always have to have the prophecy and then you have to have the twist of how it was misinterpreted. Because all prophecies end up misinterpreted, yeah. You know, uh, I can take what I want. Yeah, that's such a fucking creepy line. Yeah, it's that's, okay. I feel it too. D- you know, you know, I can take whatever I want is so villainous, especially yeah. to Ray, you know. Yeah. Um, do you think he sleeps with that helmet on? I am not going to good night's rest in years because my neck is just <laughs> constantly in a crink. It really makes He's me like pissed off. That's why I stopped 25 around. pounds of metal around on my head. Does you know that just makes me wonder? Does Darth Vader sleep? I think Darth Vader sleeps in like a weird. Does he go into his chamber to sleep? Possibly an upright position. Possibly in that thing that he's in at the end of Revenge of the Sith, where it kind of just like tilts back a little bit. No. Like, does he have to take his hyperbaric chamber everywhere with him? I would think it's it's there wherever he's making a base. Does he? Does he use the facilities when he needs to go to the bathroom? Like, well, that's a good point. I mean, well, I don't know. I don't know generally how things change physiologically. He's just walking out of the bathroom. He's just like, "Don't go in there." <laughs> he's like, "You should light a candle." Oh wait, and he's like lights the lightsaber. There you go. Yeah, these are the things we think about. Well, I think as you get older, you just kind of ponder in the engineering of things, mm-hmm. even if it's dumb, especially if it's dumb. Dumber the better. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, he could have like a catheter or something. I would like to know. Luke more. accidentally like slices it open and it just gets everywhere. And this is really embarrassing. Just, yeah. I just peed everywhere. Don't step there or maybe do step there. Um, Like I would like to he- see more of the conversations he has with that melted helmet. Yeah, he's like, forgive me. Yeah. I sense the light. Oh, it's interesting he says that Snoke senses it. It's almost like he's trying to keep that a secret even from Snoke. Yeah. I mean, the the relationship between him and Snoke, I think, is going to be very interesting. Seemingly, Snoke maybe because Snoke says, you know, you need to come back to complete your training now at the end. Was he maybe withholding training until Kylo was able to do something like kill Han to like fully commit himself? Possibly. I mean, for all we know, that's a euphemism for Snoke saying, I'm going to kill you as soon as I get my mm-hmm. hands on you in person. Cause you're, you're, you're now, what is it? Uh, how did, how did circus put it? Uh, Snoke's strength is also his vulnerability, hmm. which I think could be referring to Kylo Ren. Well, he seemed very interested in Ray as soon as he heard about her. He's like, Oh, you need to bring that girl to me. Like, the way Han d- talks to to Ben there, saying, you know, he's just using you and he's going to, like, discard you when he's done, mm-hmm. makes it seem like Snoke uses Force users to his own ends. Like, it's like he doesn't want to be involved in anything. He just wants to control his puppets and have them yeah. do what he wants. He doesn't seem to really give much of a shit about the Republic. Like, he, it seems like he's like, oh, yeah, fine, go and destroy the Republic Senate, you know, like. He's more concerned with them finding Luke Skywalker. Yeah. He doesn't really care about you know the war that much. Well, you know, at first I was really, I don't know how I felt about just basically them throwing away everything to do with the Sith. Now I kind of like it, though. I kind of like that there are all these different modes of practicing this ancient hokey religion. And like, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of wonder if at some point there'll be something other than being a Jedi. 
You know what I mean? Like, is there some other mode of of being on the light side of the force? Well, somebody like Maskinata, she, she she says she knows the force, but she's not a Jedi. True, true. Or like, will Ray be some kind of evolution where she basically straddles both as as a normal human being would? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think you you summed it up after one of our shines too. It's that uh, uh, J.J. Abrams is smart to kind of make the Force mysterious again. Mm-hmm. It it's kind of it can be a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be just one thing. <laughs> and uh, yet you still have Han Solo saying, "That's not how the Force works." Yeah, yeah. Love that line. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just wonder in in Episode Eight, is Ray gonna find like a new outfit that like is sleeveless, but then she has like long gloves on and capri pants. Yeah. Yeah, she's really bringing back the weird, like, sleeves but not connected to your shoulders look in Capri pants. Well, it's like, yeah, did they, did they give her a normal jacket on the Resistance base and she just tore off that one part of her upper arm? Let, let that be free again? Let that breathe? Yeah, I mean, it's a good look. I, th- I think she really needs to commit to it. She's like, this is my thing. I just wanted the costumer to be like, uh, uh, okay, I mean, I stayed up all night knitting that fucking jacket that you just made, but mm-hmm. whatever, fine. At okay. least she got to take a shower. Yeah. Well, I mean, just imagine how Ray and Finn both smelled. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, Finn, you got drinking out of the, uh, like, the watering hole for the animals yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess this all takes place over, like, a day or two. Like, it would have been bad if they just, like, sidelined Finn with, like, uh, like a stomach flu. <laughs> just vomiting and shitting mm-hmm. on the falcon. Yeah. Uh he's <laughs> just like yeah it's a norovirus i'm yeah, just on the I mean, toilet the whole time that like that trek you know from the crash site to uh nema outpost though like that good thing you s- went the right direction yeah that was a sweaty gross uh yeah. uh journey i would imagine <sighs> should we do character ratings uh we'll make one change um I don't even have it. I don't have anything. Really? Oh, I mind you. You mentioned this, and we both talked about this. I think I I, I want to see Chewie give a long hug to Leia when he gets back at the end of the movie. Like mm-hmm. before before Leia has a moment with Ray, I feel like we need Chewie to give her a big hug, and for him to just have like the ultimate like Wookie whale. Like, yeah. That that would have like killed the audience. Yeah. Because everybody else is like, yay, you know, but. Chewie's just like, oh, let's make sure Finn's okay. But it's like, dude, Han. I did like the rampage he went on after Han got killed. Can we talk about how he perks up on his sick bed when the uh, like monster chest? Oh, I game... love that. I love that. He's just <laughs> like, oh, you want to play? <laughs> yeah, Chewie's awesome in this movie. Chewie's like, I got next game. Mm-hmm. Oh, just I love Finn's just like utter confusion. What the fuck is this thing? <laughs> you understand that thing? That thing understands you. Mm-hmm. Okay, power rankings. Um, so I have thirteen. Thirteen. Wow. I yeah. I I restricted myself to ten. Okay, so I'll power so through these three. Not everyone made it. Twelve or thirteen is is John Williams. Um, just because you know, while I do have some complaints about what's lacking from the score, it is the score to Star Wars, and thank God, if something God forbid happens to John Williams between like now in the scoring for episode eight or what have you at least this bridge movie has that classic john williams touch um my number 12 is jj abrams but also lawrence kazan but also kathleen kennedy um i think filmmakers 
Yeah, I mean, basically the filmmakers. But Kathleen Kennedy, I, I think, you know, it was a good marketing thing at one point. But I, I think now it is an interesting question to pose. Who is Luke Skywalker? And it's like now, having seen the movie, you can see what the ultimate product of those discussions, the walking and talking between J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan that led to this. Uh, my number 11 is just all the little characters that you remember um, that I don't necessarily have time to talk about like uh nian num who thankfully his lips aren't as wet this time c3po r2d2 i'd include here the little trash droids the little black trash droids that scoot around the star destroyer all those like little touches you know mm-hmm. i mean like if wedge had if, if dennis lawson hadn't said that being in this movie would bore him to tears if wedge had been in here somewhere like, he would have been included here I you think. think he's maybe regretting a little right now i, I think he feels like an asshole right now mm-hmm um uh you mcgregor coming back in for recording one line <laughs> did you read the interview with jj about that uh just that he rode off on his motorcycle he rode off on his motorcycle yeah he's <laughs> the greatest voice actor ever because he was the line is like ray these are your first steps that's what he recorded yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah that's my 13 through 11 who's your number 10 mass canada okay i know some people didn't like her like sasan complains about the motion cap characters to me snoke was just kind of like he was just there. Like, I wasn't, like, anti-Snoke, but I wasn't like, wow, Snoke's amazing or anything. But I, I did really like Maz Kanata. Okay. Um, and I think they're... I think they could have made her too Yoda-ish. Mm-hmm. But instead, she, she really did just seem like, you know, like an old, very old person who, like, runs a bar. You know, right. like the way she's just like, oh, hey, you can go talk to those guys to, like, get work to the Outer Rim or whatever. Um, I just... Her whole vibe was very cool. And that dude was called the Crimson Corsair. Yeah, there's a whole like little ebook like novella about him that's supposed to be kind of fun. Huh. He's just like I can't remember what they're after. There's some sort of MacGuffin. It's like it's like a pirate story almost. It's like they're all after something on some weird sand planet with like uh like like it's almost like Dune esque, like weird sand snakes and whatnot, but like it he, that that's the kind of thing I love about Star Wars. You can just make up a whole weird backstory for a character like that. But Why, um yeah. Maz is just the uh <laughs> Where's my boyfriend? I like that Wookiee. I mean, that just, you immediately like that character. Yeah, yeah. She's got so much life. And you really believe that she's not only been around forever, but has known these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, my number 10 is Snoke slash Phasma slash Hux. Mm. Um, I just, they're interesting the first characters. Orders, yeah. yeah, basically the first order. They're interesting characters who clearly have been together for a while, doing this for a while, but. You know, when it, the dialogue first leaked uh, from, like, the Phasma toy saying, please submit your blaster for inspection, what I really wanted to happen was for, like, for Finn to have, like, his one buddy, and not that his buddy gets shot during the fight, but, like, like his buddy refuses to shoot or something, and so, like, she's like, please submit your blaster for inspection, and she just, like, takes it and shoots the guy. I was really hoping for something like that to go along with that line of dialogue. Just utter ruthlessness? Yeah. Yeah. I but instead, that. like, she's... She's just another, you know, worker. Like, we haven't seen her fight yet, so I think we really want to see her in action. Hmm. Hmm. Um, my number nine, I actually realized, uh, riding some different times, I actually put down two number nines, so I guess hmm. I have 14. <laughs> Sorry. Hmm. Um, my number nine is also Maskinana, but it's also uh, Luke Skywalker. Okay. Um, because he hangs over that movie, and I think, you know, you get a lot of real estate out of that look shared between him and Ray at the end. Uh-huh. Oh, it's almost a, like a psychology test, that, you know, like a Rorschach to be like, what, what are you seeing? Oh, yeah, definitely. Moment? Definitely. 
Uh, my number nine is General Leia. Okay. That she brought a lot of warmth to the role. Nice to see see these characters age. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I really liked her scenes with Han, although I do kind of feel like she set Han up for failure. It's, Han's just like, he's gone. And she's like, no, they're still good in him. Thanks a lot, Leia. Well, it's enigmatic, too, about um, that's why she wanted him to train with Luke because he has so much Vader in him. Her mm-hmm. mistake was sending him away. And it's like, did you not send him away to Luke? Like, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Were there other infractions that were maybe warning signs leading up to him eventually well, massacring I mean, a he, bunch of people? Maybe they originally didn't want him to be a Jedi. And then he just turned into, like, this asshole teenager. Yeah. Uh, and so they're like, oh, you got to go you go train with Luke. Like, you're going off to military academy or something like that. I don't know. Was he like the... Like, he could the, just been like a total shithead as a little kid. Was he like the punk anti-conformity kid at the school? And like, he mm-hmm. put together a posse and like, him and his bros and the Knights of Ren? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's funny. I'm like, I you might be able to tell. Listen to this. I'm a little under the weather. I've been joking about who my voice sounds like. Does it sound like Snow? Does it sound like this? It might actually sound like Carrie Fisher right now. <laughs> Uh, my number eight. City Miles. Yeah. My number eight is Chewbacca. Okay. Yeah. My number eight is Luke Skywalker. Okay. 30 seconds of screen time, but I feel like he makes an impact. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Uh, my number seven is General Leia. Okay. I wonder, though, sometimes, too, when she gives Han that kind of mission, a side mission, to go you know, bring our son back, mm-hmm. does she at all... Does she know? See, yeah, like Han's not coming back, but mm. it it has to be attempted. Yeah, I mean yeah, the I Force is is a finicky, tricky bastard in that like some things apparently can be foreseen, not in their entirety. That's what's so fun about the Force. You know? Yeah. Uh, my number seven was Poe Dameron. My man Poe. Nothing bad to say about Poe. I wish he was in the movie more. I I could go for like a whole spinoff movie. It's like. Poe Dameron and like, you know, the exploits of Black Squadron or something like that. Right. Seriously. Um, my number six is Poe Dameron. Um, I just, I don't, I mean, I like Felicity uh, uh, Jones and I, I I like some of the cast I have in this Rogue One movie. I just, I don't know. It just, I want to see more of Poe Dameron. I think mm-hmm. that they were smart not to kill him off like they originally planned. Um, Oscar Isaac is definitely an actor to watch out for. I feel bad for him to be like, buried in the bullshit that is the trailer for that new x-men movie i think fortunately for oscar isaac nobody's going to recognize him in that movie so he'll be okay yeah one can hope mm-hmm. um i was also glad that uh, a reasonable amount of his squadron made it out like uh nine numb and i think the character's name is jessica pava the other the female pilot Right. Uh, and even Greg Greenberg. I, I thought he should have died, but yeah. He Whose name is too. Snap, but we're calling him Porkins Jr. Yeah. Oh, and the, I was a little bummed they killed off uh, the character's name is Elo Asti. He's the alien guy. Right. He seemed cool. It's too bad he's not around. Oh, oh, I want to talk about, too, one thing that struck me. From the very beginning of the movie, uh, when the stormtroopers are storming the village there in Jakku at mm-hmm. night, there's a dude who's like an alien guy. He's got like two eyes spread wide apart mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're grabbing him. The look on his t- of terror on his <laughs> face, I, I, it just hit me so hard. I don't know why. Because, I mean, obviously it's like either uh, CGI or it's uh, uh, animatronic. I'm sure that was that was real, like practical effect, yeah. But that was something so real. Because he's not one of the guys, like the other villagers who's taking up arms and shooting them off. He's just this like seemingly innocent dude. 
Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why that hit me so hard. Anyway, uh, that was my Poe was my six. What was your six? Uh, Chewbacca. Okay. W- what a Wookiee. This is Chewbacca's best movie. He he kills it. The mighty Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the stuff for Hans. Just like, you know, like it's. I can't remember the exact line. It's something just like I'm cold too. Or, oh oh, you're a cold or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. But also, it's like Han forgot his coat, at one mm-hmm. point, and Chewie has to hand it to him. Yeah, I just, yeah. I liked. I, I kind of wondered. I liked the Han's fascination with the laser crossbow. We all know how you feel about crossbows, but I, I thought that was fascinating. It's a bowcaster. I, I prefer to think of it as just like a space shotgun, basically. It, it basically is a shotgun. Yeah. Um, my number five is sensational character find at twenty fifteen BB eight. Okay. I have him higher. Uh, but yeah, BB-8 is just instantly iconic. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's things like I, I complained before, I think, on, on our Star Wars podcast. Like, there's a look to Kylo Ren, but it feels weird to me if I were to dress like Kylo Ren for this past Halloween. And then, then I see the movie two months later and like, what if I actually hated the character? <laughs> Whereas there's something that's instantly communicatable about BB-8. I was wearing a BB-8 t-shirt to like one of the showings and I was like, I've only felt more vindicated. <laughs> yeah. Well, BB-8, there's so much personality. You never think, oh, this is a robot. Like the, the robots in Star Wars have feelings and emotions, you know, and it's like, yeah. Don't worry about it. You know, you don't need to like know the like the technology and like how artificial intelligence works here. Just just know that like, BB-8 can be sad when he thinks that Poe Dameron died. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I love the way he kind of peeks around from like around corners and behind Han's legs that that way. Like uh, he's just adorable. But he's he's resourceful. Mm-hmm. One time they I, do the flip, he falls. He rolls up the thing that falls. The second time he's got his little tendrils that yeah. he shoots out. Best thing I can say about BB-8 is I, I totally want a BB-8 droid, like a real one. You imagine how fun that would be? The the little toy, the it's like a pet. Toy. You don't have to clean up after. True. The Sphero toy is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the one, the other one you can get from Target, which is less cool. I I'm only envious of how much bigger that one is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So well, I had uh, my number five was Kylo Ren. Interesting. I'll show you the dark side. Uh, He's a lot of fun. Emotionally complex was not really expecting that. I mean, Vader's iconic, but Vader in a new hope was just kind of like the bad guy. Whereas yeah. like, I think we get a lot more into the psychology behind Kylo Ren. He's a very interesting character going forward. Yeah. It's a surprising, there's a surprising complexity there of a character who's confronting his shadow from the inside. And you do get the feeling that maybe for a second, he might've come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which it, it'd be interesting to see if he becomes more like physically robotic as these movies progress and attempt mm-hmm. to try to eradicate his humanity. Um, but I, I like this, the idea that, too, that, that you could be so talented, so powerful that like that, that level of, you know, I think the easiest uh, uh, parallel would be like people who are like artists, you know, like that level of genius or whatever mm-hmm. just crushes them. Yeah. Well, um, and also he has like expectations to live up to as well. You know, like he's he's the daughter of Han and Leia. Right. He's he has the Skywalker lineage, but then instead he wants to be Darth Vader, and he he wants so badly to be that's that's his biggest fear, as as Ray says, is you know you're afraid you'll never be as strong as Darth Vader. Yeah, he's 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 on a holy quest to fulfill you know finish what Darth Vader started. I mean, he 
dresses. He carries an upside down cross and he dresses like the murder inquisition. Yeah. Um, my number four is Han Solo. Like I said, I feel like this was the satisfying conclusion to the Indiana Jones storyline as Mm -hmm. well as the character of Han Solo itself. Um, Harrison Ford just brings such a, 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 a life to this movie. Um, he's the great counterbalance, I think, to to Kylo Ren, but also to Ray and Finn. Um, so yeah, smart. I mean, I, you can make the parallels of like uh, uh, the, the Star Trek movies, like where they did Spock instead mm-hmm. of uh, Shatner. But I think it's it's interesting too that J.J. Abrams was family friends with uh, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. But yeah, I mean, I just couldn't imagine this movie without Han Solo the way he is in it. I have Han number three actually, um, but yeah, he's. I, I wouldn't complain if he got a, a supporting actor nod. I thought he was so good in the scenes where he needed to show emotion. He, he really felt the weight of the years. Um, I love his entrance, the way he comes in. It's such a Han Solo pose of kind of like crouching and pointing his blaster. Yeah, It was like the, just so the imagery is so perfectly Star Wars. Um, but yeah, my number four is Finn. Mm. Uh, Finn is just a lot of fun. And I the way his personality keeps coming out more and more, like the further he gets away from the first order, I think he could be a really neat character going forward. He's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I was could have sworn we were going to have the same top two, but I guess not. No. So your three was uh, Han. Han Solo. My R.I.P. Number th- my number three was Kylo Ren. Okay. My number two is Finn. Okay. Uh, well, how'd you feel about Finn? Uh, pretty much the same. I, I, you know, we went to this because he attacked the block, uh, because John Boyega and I hated that. That's yeah, funny. Like I hated attack the block, but I still like, like, I think just from seeing John Boyega in interviews, it was like, this guy has something, even though I didn't like him in this movie, I can tell why he was cast. I think the thing that won me over to John Boyega, the actor, uh, uh, because you don't really get a lot of him in the teaser trailers, you know, mm-hmm. you, you just a very little bit. It was the Instagram post where he gets to watch the trailer. Oh yeah, where he just gets up and jumps behind his couch. Yeah, yeah he's like losing his fucking mind. Like I, I was like, I, I totally, I totally feel this guy. I, I feel his, his, the act. My impression of the actor's yeah. journey. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've never been a, a big stickler for accents and whatnot, but I thought like it. I never even questioned that that wasn't how he, he normally spoke. Yeah, he, he has a great American accent. Um, had a pretty messed up day. You don't know anything about me. Yeah. yeah my number two is BB-8. Wow. I mean, honestly, like the, my top, like like my two through five could all just be number two. I had, I had a hard time ranking these. Like there was yeah. a clear number one for me, but then there were like five other characters who could beat number two to right. me. So the, these are all bunched very tightly together, you know, like uh, my six or seven through two. But yeah, right. BB-8, I just love the character. I love everything about BB-8. Um, he's adorable. He's so funny. He, I, I wonder who, I guess he's going to be with Poe in the next movie. Like, I, I want more of him and Ray just because they're a ton of fun. Right. But, yeah. Well, well at least they, episode eight. they threw in that scene where he kind of says his goodbyes to Ray. You know, mm-hmm. um, probably thanks her. Just the I, idea that the droid will say goodbye. You know, I love that. Yeah, yeah. In a way that you wouldn't get from R2 or uh, uh, C-3PO. But I love when R2 kind of comes back to life. Him and uh, BB-8 both kind of do that thing where they rock back and forth. And yeah, I love it when the droids do that. I love when R2 was doing that when they landed on uh, the the Jedi yeah. planet as well. Do the... They do such a great job of of 
tracking these kind of very recognizable human emotions to these droids. Uh, mm-hmm. So our num- both of our number ones is Ray, right? Got to be Ray. Number one is a bullet. Yeah, without a doubt. What a fantastic character. The haters can suck a dick. Um, yeah. She's great. And she's she's not odd. Uh, like, she's emotionally complex and interesting. It's like the people are like, oh, she's just perfect because she beat a guy at lightsabering. Like, it's just what a what a lame, reductive way to watch a movie. Uh, and she's she's obviously like she's going to have some real issues, I think, because she's been a scavenger and abandoned and so solitary her whole life. It's right. going to be really interesting to see how she kind of fits in with people. Yeah, exactly. Know? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, and finding a sense of belonging like you. I don't know. I mean, there's it's she's so vulnerable, I think, when going to luke at the end and you can see mm-hmm. it so perfectly telegraphed on her face um well the, you, you know that there's she's very capable in certain areas but she probably has no idea about how a lot of things in the galaxy work like she's never even seen green before it's like a color pretty yeah. much yeah uh i i i think there's some great opportunities for some like kind of fish out of water humor in the next one i'll be interested to see if they they do anything with that with ray and finn i think because right. they're both so new to this wider world yeah yeah everything about ray her the introduction we get to her um all and to me like all of her skills made total sense she's she's had to survive on her own of course she's gonna know a lot about mechanical stuff that's her job you know that's what she does all day right um it seems i think it's mentioned in the novels but i feel like you can infer this even in the, the movie that she's obviously familiar with the falcon like she knows it's Uncar Plutz. She works for that guy. Uh-huh. She's probably worked on the Falcon at some point. Right. Like, she she knows about, like, stuff that's been installed on it and whatnot. Yeah, she knows that he installed a fuel line or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, nothing nothing bad to say about Ray at all. She's, she's so good. Daisy Ridley, you know, it's like, I don't know how they found her, but she was perfect. Absolutely perfect for the role. Well, it's almost like her story is similar to Ray's and that here is this actor plucked out of, you know, unknown status mm-hmm. and what she could do next could be anything. Um, I, I saw something where she'd been cast in something or other. And I know she's been cast to like do the, the American or the uh, English voice for some anime and all this other stuff. And I'm just, I'm just so curious about what her career will hold. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, interesting when you see these actors like, um, like Rooney Mara, you know, yeah. Like you're just, you just. Uh, I'm trying to think what, what's Palpatine's line at the end of Phantom Menace. <laughs> We're gonna <laughs> watch, watch your career with great interest. Yeah, yeah. Well, and if you've seen her in interviews, you know that like Ray is a separate character. It's not like she's just playing herself or anything. Right. Um. Yeah. Just Ray. There's there's a naivete and an innocence about Ray combined with like this kind of skepticism, and she's she's very emotionally closed off, or at least tries to be. Mm-hmm. Um. Just the smile she gets when she puts on the helmet, like eating her dinner, says so much about the character. Well, that is her, you know, staring off at the two sons mm-hmm. setting. But it's her just being kind of goofy, too. You yeah. know, like yeah. she's she's kind of a weird person because she lives alone. She has like no social interaction with anyone, really. Right. She's that bit where she's washing like the parts or whatever. And she looks at that old lady and it's kind of like, I don't want to be you. Oh, it's like, yeah, like this is my future. Um it's yeah. you know that's that's what you want in Star Wars that that dream of stealing a, a spaceship and, and going and being something bigger 
you know, doing something, having an adventure, not, you know, escaping the boring drudgery of your life. Well, and sometimes you only take those chances because somebody forces you to, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's like uh, she would be flattered if he offered her a job. There's a part of her that would love to be in the crew of the Falcon, but Mm -hmm. you know, there's still that part of her that's wounded and broken and wants her family to come back to Jakku and pick her up. I mean, yeah, it just, it's a movie about two people who were thrown away and like, what do they do with themselves afterwards? Well, and like when Finn points out, he's like, Hey, you're a pilot. Like what, what are you doing on Jakku? You know? And it's, it's almost like the waiting for her family is kind of an excuse. Yeah. To not take a chance. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's afraid to really go and take a chance. And now she finally has. And, Suddenly, she's uh, you know, the future of the Jedi. Yeah, girl in question. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that. I mean, we could talk about this movie for five hours, but I think we gave it a fair shake. I'm sure we'll be talking about it more later mm-hmm. on other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, as for this podcast, we are. I think we're gonna take a break and not do one next week because it's like the holidays. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we. Originally, we were going to do the Back to the Future series next, but I think we want to delay that a little because PLLs come back soon, so we don't totally have time for that. So I, I think most likely what we're going to do is just a couple bad movies. Uh, that Franchise uh, non-starters. Yeah, franchise non-starters. So, you know, I am number four. Definitely at the top of that list. Um, I'd be curious if people would chime in with some suggestions because like, the other one I could think of, I'm not necessarily excited to do it, was uh, The Golden Compass. Um, I, I, even though they're making more movies, I feel like Divergent fits into that category, mostly because I have no desire to do a podcast about Insurgent because it was so boring. I feel like at some point we're going to be doing all the Divergent movies as headcanon progresses. Yeah, I don't know about that. I actually really do want to get to the Marvel movies. I was rewatching Age of Ultron, have many thoughts on that, but that's, that's a big, that's a, that's a big one to bite off there. Ugh, yeah. Um, anyway. If you enjoy the podcast, we always appreciate getting reviews in iTunes. We have a few new ones. Uh, I wanted to thank Ra- Raquel for convincing her friends to leave us reviews because apparently all her coworkers started listening, which is awesome. Hello. Uh, thank you to Jonah2D, Ryan Filler, and Lauren's number one fan. They all left us very nice five-star reviews. Very much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us at HeadCannonPod on the Twitter our website page is broswatchpll2.com slash headcanon. And we'll be back probably in two weeks to do I Am Number 4. I think that's probably our next one. Yeah, and it probably will be the last one for a little while. Maybe. We'll see. We shall see. Anyway, until then, may the Force be with you. Always. Always.